As I mentioned in the reading in Romans 3, our text tonight is the phrase that we find in verse 11, there is none who seeks after God. And the context of the passage, Paul is dealing with the, the state of sinful men and women that, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, as he will go on to say. And one of those sins is a failure to seek the Lord. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul is clear about the true state of the human heart, the reality that we are not basically good, but we are sinners by nature. We are at enmity with God. And he speaks about the fact in verse 12 that we, that we don't do good, that our, our throats are full of rotten talk and, and blasphemy and swearing, verse 13, that people by nature are bound up in the ways of destruction and misery, verses 14 to 16. And it's interesting because in this passage there are things probably which even still everybody would be happy to understand as sin. You know, to say, oh, well, yes, I can see that that is wrong, like murder. But our text deals with things that probably the, the vast majority of people, maybe even you tonight, have never even thought about as being sinful, let alone to, to understand the seriousness of that. And that is certainly the case when it comes to this whole matter of seeking after God. You know, how many term, times have you, have you heard people confessing that sin? You know, how many people's consciences, I wonder, are troubled by that? And yet here we find it alongside these other things which many would be, you know, happy and content with to, to identify as being terrible and worthy of, of judgment. And it instantly presents each one of us with this question. Have you ever sought after God? Have you ever truly sought the Lord? You know, would it be true of you even this night that you are here because you are seeking God or are you here for some other reason? Are you only here because of maybe the influence of somebody else, but really you're sat there and there's no real desire for God? You know, the Bible says that it is a great sin not to seek the Lord. And so we need to consider this tonight and consider what we can learn and the challenge that comes to us. And the first thing that we need to ask is this, why is not seeking the Lord so serious? Why is it sinful? You know, why is it regarded by God as very sinful? You know, you might hear that, and you know, you might find that hard to take. You might want to ask, well, well, why? Because again, the vast majority of people would not regard this as an issue at all. You know, it's very common. You know, many people are, are living their lives all around us in this world. They've got no thought of God. You know, they've got no thought of, of seeking the Lord or, or seeking to be right with God. And we get so used to it that in a sense, you know, it can take us by surprise when we're, we're told here in the Word of God that it is a great sin not to seek Him. And so the question is, well, why is it so serious? Well, let me give you some reasons why it is so serious this night. As one preacher describes, not seeking God is what we would call a mother sin. It's a, an old term that some of the Puritans used to use as well. And you say, well, what do you mean, a mother's sin? What does that mean? Well, simply, a mother's sin is sin which gives birth to a whole lot of other sins. You know, there may be a lot of other problems and sinful outworkings in a person's life, but many can be traced back to the fact 
and failure of not seeking the Lord. You know, when we don't seek God for ourselves, it is the root cause of almost every other sin that manifests itself from our sinful nature. And so not seeking God is, is a serious issue in our lives. Another reason is this, that God has made you with a soul. You know, there is the difference between, you know, a man and a woman on one hand and an animal on the other. You know, they don't have souls, but we do. The soul was made by God so that we might seek the Lord and know him and commune with him, have fellowship with him all through our lives. You know, remember how this was true of, of Adam in the garden. You know, if you were to go back and look there in Genesis, before he rested at night, you know, this is before the fall, God used to come to him in the cool of the day and walk and talk with him. You know, how staggering is that? It's a wonderful thing. And Adam had a soul, and his soul needed fellowship with his maker. And so do you, and so do I. And God gave us that soul so that we would seek him and desire and long for him and have fellowship with him. And as we said so often, you know that, that famous quote that our, our hearts are restless until we find that rest in the Lord, until we have this fellowship with God. That's the way we're made. We are made to know him. But what does the world say? You know, the world says, you know, well, you've got no soul. You know, that, that's, that's not the case. You're, you're a product of chance. You know, you, you've all come about in that way. You know, the, there's no God. You're just a, a random act. And the thing is, when we take on that narrative, we, we live like animals. We ignore the fact that we were made in the image of God and to know God. And so you have a soul. That's another reason. And also let me give you another reason. Not seeking God is a sin because of the way that God has created this world. You know, you open your eyes, you know what the world is like. Even the youngest child knows when you wake up in the morning and, you know, maybe you open your curtains and the light streams in. Who made that? God did. He placed the sun in the sky and the moon and the stars, all those things. And why did God do all these wonderful things? Why did he make the world in this way? The answer is he made it to be a theater for the display of his own glory. And so when we see it, our response should be, oh God, how great you are. You are greatly to be praised. What a wonderful creator. In all these things I see, you know, the intricate flowers and the, the tree that sways in the breeze, the birds that fly in the air, and the stars and the moon, all these things, they are a display of something of his glory and his majesty. And that's so that we would seek him and desire him and pray to him and desire to have fellowship with him. You know, and if that's the case, then, you know, it must be a great sin for any one of us to just write all that off and not seek the Lord. And then, another reason. The example of the perfect man. The Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there is one man who has lived in our world who is absolutely perfect. And he lays out how we should be. And when he lived on this earth, how did he live? You know, when he was a child of 12, he was seeking God. After a visit to Jerusalem, his mother discovered the Lord Jesus was not there as they traveled back. And so they go looking for him. Where do they find him? He's in the temple, seeking, asking questions. Now, of course, he grew in wisdom and knowledge. He knew all these things. Son of God, son of man. But it says, Luke 2, when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, 
Why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my, my father's business? His heavenly father's business. Putting it simply, he was seeking God, obeying God all through his childhood. Every day, communion with the Lord in the word of God. And all throughout his, his years as he advanced, when so many young people go astray, turn their backs on the Lord, all through those years, our Lord was seeking his Father. At the age of 30, what is he doing? He's being baptized by John in the River Jordan, seeking to do the will of God, obedient, ready to serve. At 33, we find him on the eve of his death in Gethsemane. Why is he there? He says to his Heavenly Father, not my will, but yours be done. Seeking the will of God. And if the Lord Jesus Christ, the only Savior, the only perfect man who ever lived, spent his life seeking that communion with his Father, should we not be doing the same? Is how we should be living, desiring to, to please our, our God in heaven, putting him first, making him our delight to not seek him is rebellion and enmity. And that's what Paul is saying. You know, when people ask, why is the world in such a mess? You know, why is there so much trouble? Why is there so much misery? People don't seek God. They don't want God. They've rejected him. They hate him. But there is a way back for you, my dear friend, tonight. You know, perhaps you've never sought him before. Perhaps, you know, you're being confronted with these things. It is my responsibility before the Lord and before you this night to impress upon you that if you are not seeking the Lord, you'll remain in your sin, and that's a, a terrible condition to be in. And you, you may have never really thought about it seriously before. You might think, well, you know, I'm not too bad. I'm, I'm not a sinner like those murderers or those criminals. But the Bible says all of us are sinned. And one of the ways that we have done that is not to seek the Lord. And so that is why it is so serious. And then we need to ask, well, as it's so serious, why does this particular sin cause such misery in people's lives? You know, I just said that the world is in a mess, but the reality is that many people make a, a mess of their lives as well. You know, it's only by the grace of God that we have not all made a total ruin of our lives. You know, if we're believers tonight, we can look back and we can see how the Lord has kept us and how very different things could have been if not for his restraining and his keeping hand. You know, we, we can't thank ourselves for anything. Everything is of his mercy. But you know, there are many who are in great trouble and it's so sad to see the brokenness all around us. And one of the great reasons why people find themselves there is because they've not sought the law. You know, if they really sought him and believed him and rested in him and, and looked to him for their deliverance and wisdom and strength and help and guidance and salvation, their lives would be so different. But they won't have him. And they're fast bound in sin and nature's night. And there's all this terrible consequences of sin. You know, even if you go back to the very beginning, we see it there again. You know, let me remind you again, there in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, all was well. And then the enemy came, the devil speaking through a serpent, and he said to Eve that if she ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the thing which God had said they must not do, that she would be like God. That she would have her eyes open, 
And the devil said that God knew that it would do her good. And of course, he was implying there that God was was too jealous and he, he wanted to oppress them. Of course, all lies. But that was the deception. Has God said? Does he really care for you? And so we know that Eve took the fruit and he gave it to Adam. He ate it also. But what should they have done? As soon as that temptation came, they should have sought the Lord. They should have cried out to him. They should have said to the enemy, hold on, this is not what we know. You're calling into question God's word and his character. We're going to ask him. We're going to seek him. We're going to ask him to show us what is right. You know, if they'd have cried out to God like that, do you think he would have left them in the dark? You know, he would have exposed the lie and all the outworking of that. And, you know, there are many other examples of this. Think for a moment on the way... You know, the leaders in our own nation for so many, many years have pursued laws and agendas and actions that are an abomination before the Lord and in direct conflict with his word. And this failure to seek God and consider God and to humble themselves before the Lord has led to so much unnecessary misery and trouble. But will they seek him? No. He is so far from their thoughts. In so many areas, they should have realized their own inadequacy and said, we must seek God, we must turn from ourselves, and we must look to what the Word of God says. But they won't do that. And so they make terrible decisions which bring great misery to people. And society continues to disintegrate. And law and order breaking down. All these things. And what's behind it all? What is the root of it all? Failure to seek the Lord. Failure to look to him. You know, one preacher gave the example of a lady who used to come to his church and she would drop into the services fairly regularly and over a period of years she would keep appearing and she would be there, never converted. And as far as he knew, she died as she lived, rejecting the Lord, a worldly person. But from time to time, this lady would be very outspoken to the pastor in front of everybody. Now, to give a full picture, this lady was also a a heavy drinker, which didn't help. But she would often say very loudly, you know, I keep coming to this church and I'm not converted. The implication of her statement was the preacher was not very good and he was doing a poor job as pastor. And she wanted him to know that. She wanted the church to know that. And she would make a big point of the fact that she was living her life, doing what she wanted. She could come along and she wasn't going to be converted. She was happy to go into the house of God and sit there in the warmth, but she wasn't seeking the Lord and she had no intention of doing so. It's a frightening thing. And it's true, you know, that the preacher could be good, bad, indifferent, but you can sit in church for years. But if you're never moved to seek the Lord, you'll never find him. You could have the greatest preacher in the world, but he cannot convert you. Salvation is of the Lord. It is his work. But when he does work, the sinner is prompted to seek, prompted to run after the Lord. There is a a response to these things. And that's why there are those great commands in Scripture to seek the Lord for yourself. Let me ask you again, why are you here tonight? Why have you come along in the the less than uh, convenient weather? Why are you here? Why have you come You know, is there not in your heart a a desire to seek him? 
to be done with all the, the, the misery and the emptiness of this world and seek the Lord who gives life. But you have to seek for yourself. And those who do truly seek do so because God himself is working in them. And the Bible is clear. So much of the brokenness and the, the misery and the suffering people face in this life are often derived from that, that mother's sin, as we called it. They just will not seek. And friend, I hope that is not true of you. I hope that there may be, even this night, some glimpse of life in you. You know, I, I hope that, you know, it would be so wonderful if there would be some soul here quietly in their heart wanting to seek and find the Lord. Maybe, you know, you, you, you've been longing for this for, for, for a time and you, you want that rest that is found only in Him. Seek Him and search for this salvation, for this deliverance and this great promise, Jeremiah 29, 13, and you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And so comes the question, well, how do I seek him? How do I seek the Lord? You know, if it's a sin not to seek him, if, if not seeking him continues to bring this misery and this hopelessness and, and also eternal destruction, how do I seek the Lord? Well, think again on our text. There's none who seeks after God. The issue is seeking God himself. You know, that is so important you understand that. It is not simply seeking to be known as someone who goes along to church, you know, or, or has a bit of religion. You know, there are still some who think it's decent to be known as a churchgoer. Oh, you know, such and such. Did you know they go to, to Clarence Street? They go to the services there. And the danger is that people see some virtue, some praise in going to church, you know, even in this day and age. But the reality is it won't save you. It will not make you right with God. A person may get all the, the praise and the claim from men, but they may be sitting in that church building fast asleep spiritually. You know, churches are often good places for sleeping in. You know, we see it regularly. You know, the sermon goes by and someone might say, well, what on earth was he talking about? I haven't got a clue. You know, I was, I was fast asleep most of the time. How easy it is for us to be in the house of God and to gain no benefit, to gain no profit, to understand nothing at all concerning the thing of Jesus Christ. And what is wrong? The answer is that people are not seeking God. And that is, you know, we've got to seek for God himself. To know the Lord. And we are to seek God. And I must begin by explaining that God himself is also seeking us. And that makes all the difference. You know, he has explained to us that he is the sort of God who seeks after sinners. How do I know that? Well, there's a lovely chapter in the Word of God in Luke 15. And the Lord Jesus tells three parables about lost things, lost coin, lost sheep, lost son. And... Uh, He's illustrating this great truth that he, as the Savior, has come into the world to seek the lost. You know, later in Luke 19, he says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And he, you know, he means you and me, sinners like us. It's not as though we are seeking a God who is hiding, who is aloof. No, wonderfully, he is the God who is near. He doesn't hide himself from those who seek him. And God has given us these wonderful encouragements to seek him. You know, this is the God who says in Luke 11, seek and you shall find. 
You know, there's a, a beautiful simplicity about the gospel of God. You know, on the one hand, it's the most complex, it is the most profound thing, and yet at the same time, it is so straightforward. You know, this salvation is there for us. This is the day of grace. You know, and if in your heart you long to be saved, be encouraged. Because Jesus says that the one who comes to him, he will not cast away. And when God is at work, the sinner is aware of the urgency, the need to be forgiven, the need to be saved. And there's a focus they seek with all their heart. And by God's grace, they will certainly find the Savior. That promise is unbreakably sure. And that's why some people can come to church year in, year out, and they never find the Lord because they're not really seeking. You know, one preacher gave the example of a man in his congregation who was reading through the Bible in a prayer book. And you would say, well, that's really good. That's really encouraging. But at the same time, he had the newspaper open on one side and the radio on as well. And he'd be casting his gaze on the headlines, listening to the news program. And then you had sort of the, the Bible, etc., was just part of that mix. You know, all these things at once. He was going through the motions of reading his Bible and prayer, but all the time his real attention was on what was happening in the world. He wasn't really serious about seeking the Lord. And really, it's insulting to the Lord who wants all our heart. You know, imagine if you were granted an audience with the king and he was speaking to you, you know, and you weren't paying attention. You were just constantly distracted, looking past him, talking over him. You know, he wouldn't have a good view of you. There's nothing worse than going through the motions. And if that's you, you won't seek and find. You must seek the Lord with that purpose, with all your heart. You know, the Lord Jesus said, didn't he? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. You know, we need many things in life. We you know, need all the practicalities. We need a lot of things. But being right with God, that is the first thing. That is the thing that demands our attention. And the Lord challenges us to live right with nothing as important as our relationship to God. The righteous, holy, sovereign, just God. The one who is the judge of the world who will establish his kingdom and that which is eternal. And Christ warns us to follow him, to seek the kingdom, to flee the wrath to come, to repent and believe the gospel, to seek that first, because we cannot avoid the righteousness of God and that kingdom and the eternal reign of God. And when we put him first, everything else will have its place. The world will encourage you to laugh at all this. You know, it will say, don't live for that. That is not worth your attention. Live for the money. Live for the food and the drink and the relationships and all the rest. But the gospel comes. And it warns you that this life is uncertain. That we don't know what tomorrow will bring. And that the most important thing is to be right with God. You know, and you'll soon realize that you can't make yourself right with God. You can't make yourself righteous. You can't deal with your sin. It is impossible for us. And as God works in your life, you'll come to see you can't save yourself or change yourself or make yourself holy. And in fact, that you're hopeless and helpless. But then the words of Jesus come. And he says, come to me. All you who labor 
and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, come to me in all your desperation. You want to be righteous. You want to be right with God. You want to be in his kingdom, and you can't do it. But know this, I came in order to give you the righteousness that you can never achieve for yourself, in order to deal with your sin. And because I love you, I've come to satisfy the law of God on your behalf, to bear your punishment on the cross so that your sins can be forgiven. Your righteousness abolished, washed away, forgiven, cleansed in my blood. Come, let me cleanse you and let me clothe you with my robe of righteousness. And friend, we need to seek Christ. To be saved is to know Christ. You know, it's no surprise that concert pianists have to practice all the time. You can't play to the level that they do without hours of practice. And a very famous concert pianist once said, if I leave off practicing for one week, I can tell the difference. My fingers begin to stiffen up. And if I leave off practicing for two weeks, my wife can tell the difference and she lets me know about it. And then he said, if I leave our practicing for three weeks, the public can tell the difference. You see, he loses that quality in his playing. And it points us to the fact, you know, if we're serious about something, it demands our attention. It demands our earnestness. And certainly in the the seriousness with which we must seek the Lord. And may I say to you, with all concern for you this night, it is so dangerous to delay with regards to matters of the soul. You know, if we reject the gospel repeatedly, we shouldn't be surprised if the Lord removes any further opportunities. You know, maybe we think we can be indifferent and do nothing. That's to be mistaken. You know, to to reject the word of God, to remain in this state that Paul speaks of, is to remain at enmity with God, to reject the Lord. And there are terrible consequences to that. And the danger of not seeking the Lord is so great and will be to our eternal ruin. It is dangerous to put it off. You know, to say, oh, well, I'll I'll think about it another time. I'll I'll seek tomorrow or maybe when it's more convenient. You know, I've said before, Martin Luther said, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You know, I, I think I shared with you, you know those two words that have slain many souls over the years, yesterday and tomorrow. Yesterday, many say, you know, why should I seek the Lord? I've sinned too much in my past and, and all my yesterdays, they, they speak out against me. I've got no hope. And effectively it's saying, the Lord can't save me. He, he can't have mercy upon me because of all my baggage, because of all my past. Well, that's doubting the power of God. And doubting the blood of Christ, which cleanses from all sin. You know, as one preacher says, it's not your yesterdays that keep you from the Lord, but your unwillingness today to lose your life and bow before him. And then tomorrow, you know, many, and I pray that it won't be you, many leave this place and they say, well, I'll seek him another day. I'll seek him tomorrow. You know, I know I need to be a Christian. I know I need to be converted. But I'll do it another day. I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow's too late. You know, tomorrow's faith is today's unbelief. Behold, now is the accepted time. 
Behold, now is the day of salvation. You never read once in Scripture about seeking the Lord tomorrow. Seek him now. And seek him with all your heart. Ask him for the grace to show you your sin and your need. To show you Christ. You can't afford to delay anymore. It's staggering to think of the things that people make time for and yet they will not make time to get right with God. There is none who seeks after him. And we need more than outward impressions. It's not enough to, to come to church and hear a sermon that warns you. You need to know Jesus for yourself. And you can be sure that if you are being moved to seek, that is God prompting you. God at work. You know, and I pray that you will know that. You know, dear friends, where does this text find you tonight? Does it find you seeking the Lord or not? Be honest with yourself. You know, if you, you seek the Lord with all your heart, it won't be long before you tell us that you found him. It's the most wonderful thing when someone is able to, to explain the way in which the Lord has dealt with them and they came to trust him and they found him. And God is ready to reveal himself to those who seek him with all their heart. But you know, if you're only half-hearted, don't be surprised if you, you know, go on and get many things, but you'll never find him. Multitudes have done it. But I'll say this to you, the happiest life in the world is the life lived with God in Christ. Yes, the Christian has to suffer in many ways. Yes, the Christian will lose many things in the eyes of the world. The Christian may go through deep trials and feel heavy in heart because of temptation and trouble, but beyond all of that, they have Christ. And they have that certain hope, a wellspring of happiness which this world knows nothing of. And our desire is that every one of you, wherever you are in life, whether younger or older, will seek the Lord and will find him. And you know, when that happens, it goes against the tide. It goes against the majority. Because as our text says, there is none who seeks after God. But when God works in a life, then people begin to seek and they will find. May it be true of you. Here it is before you. Are you a genuine seeker this night? May it be that the Lord draws you to himself and you know what it is to be saved and to be right with God both now and forever. May God be glorified in you. Amen.